And in case you missed the last podcast, I should let you know about a very special event we're putting together this summer in Denver, Colorado. It's called the Foxtail. There's still time to take advantage of early bird registration. We're capping it at 300, and I expect it will fill up fairly soon. And for one of the workshops, I'm going to try and record a live podcast. Of course, you can find out more information on our website at renovare.org slash foxtail. That's T-A-I-L. One of the things we worry about is that what will the child say? Will I have an answer? Will they ask a hard question? Trust the Spirit that hearing is enough and have an openness to whatever the Spirit is doing in the life of the child in front of you. I think it's safe to say that to some degree, we as a society really value the lives of children. For many of us, much of our energy is put into helping offer a good life for our kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews, or godchildren. Yet, yet I wonder if sometimes our deeply held values of the importance, preciousness of stewarding the growth of the young among us don't always line up with our actions. As they go about significant changes each year, I don't know. It can be a challenge to stay connected. Maybe easy to assume others are engaging with them or tending to their spiritual growth. I do fear it's easy to assume Sunday school is enough, or they already have the adult relationships they need. The research is clear. Meaningful and healthy relationship with adults is potentially the most significant factor in shaping who children become. And of course, those relationships help shape who we become. We've covered some of this in previous interviews with teacher, spiritual director, and Renovare ministry team member, Dr. Lacey Borgo. And you may remember her mentioning a book she was working on. Well, it's done. And set to be released next month and available now for pre-order, it's titled Spiritual Conversations with Children. Listening to God together. And I'm delighted to share with you this recent conversation we had. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Podcast. Hey, Lacey. Hey, Nate. What is going on with this book cover? Ah, <laughs> uh, isn't it beautiful? I really like it. Uh, I do too. You know, IVP gave me a couple of choices and I really love how they um, invited me into the process. On first glance at this one, I just said, oh, that's it. That's it. If there is an adult and a child on the cover and the adult is holding the child um, and they are looking together out. I like that their heads and hearts are on the same level. It's an invitation that perceptions are equal, um, equally valuable and honored, and that hearing, their ears are even at the same level. (laughs) The hearing is equally honored. um, And they're looking together in a direction. So they're not looking at each other. They're looking at somewhere, someone else. 
Because we see their back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see the back of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The and it's a drawing. It's not a. Yeah, it's a sketch. It's a, yeah. It's and it's beautiful, beautiful. Um, and um, another person that noticed this, a friend of mine, um, noticed that the child is more in focus than the adult. Oh, I love that. Um, I even love. Can I just say I'm such a um, tactile, kinesthetic person. I love the feel of it too. I choose Not books more. based on the feel. I'm sorry, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> the paper, the cover uh, texture. Totally, me too. And I, I love the feel of it. It has kind of a matte and textured feeling to it. It's not slick. Well done, because you had zero say in the matter. <laughs> no, I know. I totally, yeah, I know. Woohoo, I'll take credit for that. Not really. <laughs> IVP did a fantastic job. I just, I would love to have the cover of this, not with the title or anything, just the image itself. A huge, I mean, it's just, it's so inviting. And it speaks so much to the content of the book. Right. You have this issue of chronically respecting children <laughs> and treating them as... <laughs> oh, you mean human beings. You've heard of this. Yeah, you do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the idea of the the head and heart, same, like, right? We're together. I think, I feel that I've learned this from Jesus. You know, Jesus had a terrible problem of honoring children. <laughs> he was always inviting them in to groups that they were excluded from. Um, he was always saying, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like when you bring a child in, and this is what the power structure looks like. And when you welcome a child, this is what my father is like. And let the children come to me. What's the book about? Well, the title is Spiritual Conversations with Children. And I love the subtitle too, Listening to God Together. Listening to God Together. So this, the book is about um, a sp- having spiritual conversations with children and the, the importance of it in their walk with God, in their ongoing beginning from their birth, beginning from their beginnings, relationship with God. It doesn't start at a particular time. Um, It started with God longing each one of us into existence. And so, how can we begin to accompany a child and listen to them and help them to recognize and respond to God's extravagant invitation of friendship? The book is about that, so it's for adults. It, it for it's women who teach Sunday school. Well, yes, it's for them, and it's for men who teach Sunday school, and it's for pastors. Um, uh, so often, um, and so this is this is going to be my little soapbox moment. Maybe I'll only have one in this uh, episode of the <laughs> podcast, but you know me, so there'll <laughs> probably be twelve. But. Um, uh, that you know, pastors will think often think, well, the 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 care of the children goes to the children's minister or the Sunday school teachers. And can I just remind any pastors that are listening that children are part of your congregation, and to learn to have a spiritual conversation with a child, um, they are uh, the sheep of the fold as well. And, um, and they have experiences. I think one of the things um, 
that I hope happens or comes across in the book is that children are having spiritual experiences and they don't have the articulate language sometimes to put around it. And it looks different. It sounds different. It feels different. Um, But they are having them. The God of the universe has longed (laughs) them into existence and is, and I'll use a good West Texas phrase, and is hell-bent on connecting them. Mm. Hell-bent on connecting with them. Mm. You just reminded me of piece that my dad's working on, this book. And and there's a chapter in there on the pastors when he was a kid, the co-pastors of the church, and the way that they respected him as a child and spent mm-hmm. time with him. And it really reads as if this set the trajectory of his life and his ministry the respect that they gave him, or, or just the, the time and the attention. And so I love your call for those of us in ministry and for pastors to remember that children are there and, and they have stuff to teach us too. You know, um, I, I did um, some interviews with different Renovari ministry team and board members. And um, Margaret Campbell, who is like the Renovari uh, centering piece. I mean, she's <laughs> she, is, she is. She's so great. And um, one of the things that she mentioned, one of her early experiences of God, was her sharing her desire to follow Christ with the pastor. And the pastor gave her just his full attention and honor to what she said. And it had such a powerful impact in her life. He listened, he believed and honored with the full sort of scope of his authority. And what that said to her was, this is real and this matters. And, um, you know, we can do that as adults. And I want to say, Obviously, those teaching Sunday school or teachers, childcare workers, pastors, but parents, aunts, uncles, right? Like these are Absolutely. things we can. Some great uh, research out there that we need um, anywhere from like 15 to 25 adults um, when we're children to take a bit of an interest in our spiritual life. Hmm. We are so, you know, the the language I use in the book is the Trinitarian community of love is one and this community of love. And so children need the community of love to honor their experiences. And that means, you know, you may may not even um, have children. um, You may not even have nieces or nephews, but you pass a child in the grocery store. You pass a child at church on Sunday and to be able to have a few questions in your arsenal, a few um, ways to interact in your pocket where you can be fully present and honor a child even for a couple of minutes will lay that neurological footprint down in their mind Mm. that this is an important conversation and that the God of the universe is speaking to me. Children make me nervous, just to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I wave at them in the grocery store. But, but. I do too. And in the car. I'm always waving at some kid in the car. My my adolescent children are like, would you just stop? Anyway. <laughs> to be honest, they intimidate me. And mm. 
the conversations, you know, just kind of with my own kids has been a real challenge for me. What are some tools for having spiritual conversations with kids? I wonder if I can answer another little question about how how we do actually get nervous when we talk to children. And I, I wonder if one one of the reasons is that we don't know what they're going to say. I mean, often children are can, can feel like to the adult a bit of a loose cannon. Like we don't know what they're going to say. Or if do. Have, oh, you <laughs> they're <laughs> out of control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, well, they're out of our control, <laughs> but they are not out of God's control. Oh, Lacey, ouch. Yes, uh, they, I don't know what they're going to Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Because they have their own kingdom and I have my kingdom. And but they are not outside of God's. And um I think you know that that's sort of the piece that makes us a little bit jumpy. Um we don't know what they're going to do or what they're going to say. And we might not have we very likely won't have just the answer we think that's going to sum it up. Um, but it really is about um, increasing our trust. I always say that, I mean, there are questions at the end of every chapter in the book. And if some of the que- reflection questions um, are to help us um, foster a child's relationship with God, to have more of that conversation, some of those questions are to help us ask those questions of ourselves. Why does this make me feel jumpy? Um, uh, what is a deeper level of trust that God is inviting me into? Um, so, so you know, that, that is some of our own inner work that gets stirred up when we are with children. That's our own childhood self. Um, maybe sometimes saying, um, I could use some attention. This isn't just how can I help guide, teach children. It- it's as much about us. Uh, who we are matters. Yeah. Our relationship with God matters. And we're on in this ongoing path of formation. And so um, it makes sense that every interaction we have with every human being, this is from Douglas Steer, um, we will go away changed. If we're fully present to anybody ever, we will never be changed. And that's a wonderful spiritual, spirit-heavy thing that happens when we're fully present. And that's true with children, too. You bring your full presence to a child, and you will leave changed. What's your story in terms of developing this respect of children and maybe i want to preface it too because it it interests me because you're not like a pushover right like i can see you as a teacher oh yeah yeah i'm I'm, i definitely have some hard edges and um hold some pretty strict boundaries um i was a public school school teacher in rochester new york and um this story it's in the introduction of the book begins with a child, and I've changed all names and all stories, so you can't identify anybody. Um, but um, a child, um, we'll say his name is Christopher, and it was on the you know my first day teaching, my first week or so teaching, 
And he was a troubled child, just a troubled uh, child. And he got kicked out of the uh, cafeteria. Um, they wouldn't let him go to the cafeteria anymore. He was just way too disruptive. And um, so they said, he has to eat lunch with you every day. And um, I, I'm drowning. I'm young and I'm a know-it-all and I'm drowning. And I use Dallas's quote that rea- reality is what you run into when you were wrong. And I ran into reality. That was absolutely true. And his name, you know, is Christopher. And uh, I sat with him at lunch and I was too tired, too frustrated to say anything. So I just listened and asked a few questions. And I suddenly was really over time, I say suddenly, but over time, I realized that there was something very deep happening in this child and that school counselors didn't know about it. And there was like this deep, deep thread of goodness and beauty and truth. And the more I gave him space to talk, the more he changed and so did I. This started at And it's just been ongoing. Yeah, that's pretty much, that's, that started. And it's been almost, uh, you know, something like 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now I sit with children at Haven House, the transitional facility, yeah, for homeless families. As a spiritual director? I mean, you do spiritual direction with I do. children in, yeah. in transition, home, homeless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I go in and I sit with them. Pretty much every Wednesday um, for like the last seven years. Who, who does that? I mean, is, uh, it, is that a thing, spiritual direction with children? Uh, well, it's not yet, but I mean, it is becoming. Oh, you it should write a book becoming. about it. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'll write a book about spiritual conversations with children. Maybe I could get some groovy art. <laughs> so you asked, I, I love this acronym. So this is a acronym for being present with children. Uh, It's BOW, B-O-W. When you see a child and you think, I'd like to have some conversation, notice your body. Notice my body. Notice your body. Get down where your head and your heart are on their level. And if that means you need to sit on the floor, sit on the floor. Um, So that, one, you level the power differential between the two of you. And, and if you lower yourself, then they can all also adjust how close or how far away they want to be. So you honor um, their will and their agency by doing that. So B, body. Turn your full attention. Um, if you love um, phones and texting, put your phone in your pocket and give your full attention to the child. And then O is for openness. Um, again, one of the things we worry about is that what will the child say? Will I have an answer? Will they ask a hard question? What if their theology is terrible? All of these things. But trust the spirit that hearing is enough and have an openness and open to whatever the spirit is doing in the life of the child in front of you. And then a wonder about you, the W. Wonder, I wonder, can you hear what they're saying with wonder? I wonder how God will use this in your life long eternal story. I wonder what, because they'll give you some words, but what is being 
um, said but not spoken. I wonder where goodness and beauty and truth is at work in this child's life. I wonder what is being said but not spoken. What, what does that mean? There is always a deeper level running, always. And those realities and thoughts we may live into much later. And it's, it's being said, but there may not be words around it. And it's important, um, uh, ministry team member um, Gene Nevels often uses this phrase, and I love it so much, I hijack it all the time. <laughs> um, it's that we let others open their own gift. Oh, that is good. Isn't that wonderful? She's brilliant. She is brilliant, by the way. But this idea of our own wonder, that we may be wondering some things, and they may say some things that we really want to step in and um, correct or or give us our own experience. I mean, oh gosh, don't we love to do that, especially with children? Like, oh, well, yeah, it reminds me of the time that I was 12. And well, we bring, in, instead of bringing that experience to a child, why don't you, could, could you set, could we set that experience aside, like bracket it and set it aside and instead bring who that experience made us to the child. So we don't have to share the experience itself, but could we, but we can bring our full self who that shaped us into being without having to, to fill up the space with our own details. So when they, when they share, we have this sense of wonder and letting them and it may not be in that moment, but over time, unwrap the gift that God has given them. Unwrap their own gift. So that's part of the fun. Give me an age range. Oh, you can have spiritual conversations with any child. I'll just tell you that. I mean, I, does I, this fit for teenagers? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I, in the book, I tell a story of having vigorous, what I call vigorous fellowship with my teenage daughter, where I was not <laughs> fully present with her. And she calls me on, Yeah, she calls me on it. She totally calls me on it. Um, having, imagine being a teen and, um, you know, the main theory, uh, themes that are running through their life are um, self-understanding, um, self-expression, understanding who they are and understanding their separation from us and their attachment to God in those, you know, reinforcing, they've got some own knitting and cutting that they're doing. Imagine having someone when that's happening in you, who with their body faces you, not crosses their arms, not, you know, judgment we read all over our face. So cultivating that, you know, being present without judgment and then an openness to whatever is happening in them and then a sense of wonder. I wonder how God is meeting you. What a gift that would be to a teenager. That is. I, I do sit with some teens at Haven House. You don't come to these conversations with an agenda. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, that, no, Actually, so let me parse that out. I'm learning to be a good listener. 
So sometimes I do come with an agenda and that's when I really, really ask the Holy Spirit to help me to set that aside. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is difficult for adults to come with openness and wonder. And, and so, um, you know, we're, I'm always, we're always learning. Hopefully over time, I mean, my children will tell you I'm a better listener now than I was like two years ago. Um, they've got, they've got some skin in the game. And so they've <laughs> definitely seen me come with an agenda and. Well, yeah. Cause a lot of this, it, it, it's one thing with children that don't live in our home. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's entirely different with our own kids. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know entirely, but. Oh, it totally is because we, well, you know, they see us when we're tired and, and we have such a stake in their future. That's the weight that I feel. So I feel a heavy weight to shape and form. I'm not wise enough to say if that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And that is why we so need more people listening to our children than just the parents. I mean, we need grandparents who can love unconditionally. Um, We go to a little tiny Anglican church here in Montrose, and it is full. It's 99.8% of gray hairs. (laughs) (laughs) The way that it's been good for my kids is that they have... They have a whole congregation of people who really seek to love them unconditionally. They actually show up at their events, like their orchestra events. They want to hear them. How are you? I missed you. Mm. Ah, There's no better. I mean, my children even talk about, um, they certainly want peers and to go to youth group and all of that. But they, they say things like, well, if I don't go on Sunday, then Emily's going to ask me, you know, X, Y, and Z, and that mm-hmm. she missed me. And I, I, there's something about that, um, about expecting to be loved by someone and listened to. So I have teenagers and I'm aware of their movement of letting them know that that they're not me, letting me know that they're not me, right? Right, um, right. that uh, healthy separation. Yeah, it, it, Jan Johnson gave this to me. She said, they're, they're going to um, uh, say I'm not you one way or the other. And yeah. it's either going to be extreme or it's going to be subtle. So you might as well just, you know. They're going to say it. it and they yeah. need to. Yeah, yeah, it's healthy. So I'm aware of the, mm-hmm. they're kind of pulling away a little, and and I get this sense of um, like I, you know, they don't really want me around, and that's okay, and you know, um, but it was in the middle of the night, and I I sleep with a pad of paper, you know, mm-hmm. little little notebook uh, and pencil by by the bed, and I often write in it. Well, what I wrote the other night was this profound memory of being a teenager and desperately wanting adult interaction and conversations. Mm. And, and I, and I just didn't have it. And then I remembered a person or two that um, showed an interest, you know, in me. 
And, and I'm thinking how intent I was on pushing everybody away, but yet there is a longing for that. And so I just, you know, it was helpful for me to begin to think about. Yeah. And I mean, um, uh, certainly throughout different developmental stages of our lives. And can we say that, you know, those last way that those go all the way through until we are no longer inhabiting our bodies. Um, there is this, always this push and pull, this come, come closer, get away, come closer, get away. And, um, we, it's more intense in certain seasons. That's for sure. But they both always exist. Come closer, get away. And it's just a bit of that back and forth dancing that's always happening. We do that with God. Uh, we do. <laughs> we do. Yeah, that's good. It just reminded me of, of something. And now it makes sense in talking to you. Do you remember a number of years ago when you took Kai... To the labyrinth. Do you remember this? I do. I do. I do. Out at St. Francis. Yeah. So my son, and he he had to have been, was he three or four? Oh, uh, no, he was maybe, well, he might have been like five. Okay. Five or six. Yeah. And yeah. you you wanted to take him to the labyrinth. Yeah. I said, let's go. You want to go do the labyrinth? He did. And I was like, why are you doing it? Like, okay, cool. Take my, you know, it was great. But I just thought, why is she doing that? Yeah, and we we walked it backwards actually. Do you know he <laughs> remembers it and he he uh, knows you as that person? Yeah. Did you yeah, bow? Talk- Did you do the bow thing? Yeah. <laughs> um, we played actually. Right. We played, and that's another way that children communicate is by playing. The language of children, yes. The play. language of children is play. Yeah, yeah. We played. We we walked. We, we danced and walked backwards and we talked about, um, my, if my memory serves, a little bit about beauty, the beauty that's surrounding that space and rocks and <laughs> yeah, that's a good uh, memory. I love this conversation, Lacey. Mm, thank you. You, you yeah. mentioned the video with Margaret. Will you let us run some of those? Yeah. We, you and I have a conversation in these videos. Do. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's, it is those um, early experiences, um, those childhood experiences. And we think about, you know, some of us have conversion experiences and, and we forget that God just didn't show up on the scene, maybe at the conversion experience that, you know, the God of the universe longed us into existence. The project, you interviewed people, lots of people about their first encounter was that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Their early, early experiences with God, um, and some people. What's interesting is lots of people, church, church people. Let me say that churched people will talk often about their conversion experience, and then when I ask them about goodness, beauty, and truth, well, they can track that back a little further because those are God's fingerprints. We don't make a commitment really to someone we don't. What themes did you see emerge from all the interviews you did? There's a much bigger study to come out of the Religious Education Research Unit in Wales. Um, and I maybe I can combine some of the things I saw with some of the things that they saw. Is that those early themes are, um, again, the three transcendentals, goodness, beauty, and truth. And when people experience those things, 
they had this moment of um, uh, awareness of God. Um, another is wonder, just um, wondering. I wonder why this is like this. I wonder why ladybugs have spots. Children love to, you know, be outside and and they're wondering with their fingers um, by picking everything <laughs> up. And and depending on the age of the child, they may wonder with their mouth, <laughs> put things in their mouth. But it's it is that sense of wonder um, that's drawing them in. Um, I. Um, I had compiled a list for uh, teaching at one point and I had, um, uh, let's see, uh, cursed my youngest daughter with having to listen um, to my lecture because I wanted to know what she thought of it so she could give me her own wisdom. And she said, mommy, you missed one. And I said, okay, um, help me. What what did I miss? And And we have horses. And she said, you know, when I'm on the back of lady and I know that she and I are different, you know, when she's trotting, but when she breaks off into a run, I don't know where she ends and I begin Hmm. or where God ends. God is like right there with us. So children have these experiences of unity as well. And those are God's fingerprints, Mm -hmm. God drawing them into relationship. And, and we can help them um, unwrap the gift of this experience and then respond to the gift. Maybe it's gratitude. Maybe it's, um, uh, I can't wait to see where you will meet me tomorrow or in the next moment, God. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's this wonderful cultivation of love relationship. I did something when my kids were little. And I, I don't know if this was right or not, but um, I would have these conversations about right, beauty, truth, goodness, mm-hmm. wonder, and, and not use religious language. And I almost did that on purpose to just be fully in it without trying to... I don't know, compartmentalize or something. And I don't know if that's, you know, good or bad per se, but, um, well, I don't know. What do you think of that? Well, I, I think that, um, even if you don't use religious language, you're using some kind of language. Um, and so what that it does is that gives kids a container. We all relationships have to have some kind of container to hold them. Mm -hmm. And so when we give them language, religious or not, We are giving them a container to hold the deepest truth of our belovedness with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think the important thing to do with with children is to give them a container but leave the lid off (laughs) (laughs) so they can kick out of it and continue to grow. Yeah. Because we want this, gosh, isn't that the deepest knowing of human flourishing? That this relationship, this union with God is eternal, and it is the truest thing about us. Mm. So we don't want to put a lid on that. You can't. The truth is you can't. God cannot be boxed in that way. 
but to give language and practices gives us a container it just says this is this can hold this mm-hmm. and when you when you when it's grown too big i'm going to leave the lid off so you can kick out of it <laughs> and it that requires an incredible amount of growing trust and let me just say growing because we don't have that when they're little tiny squirming mm-hmm. uh, but growing trust in that Trinitarian community of love to hold the child. Mm. And that, and I am learning as I have one college and one um, who's a sophomore, that it is the hardest job I have ever had to have ever even tried to do in my whole life. It is like walking around with my heart outside of my body. It's like excruciatingly beautiful, delicious, soul-ripping love <laughs> for this hum- these human beings. Mm-hmm. What do you think Jesus meant when he said, enter the kingdom, become like a little child? Mm-hmm. Well, I think he meant a lot of things with that. I think that's an incredibly loaded statement. So maybe I can offer one. Children, when they see someone that they love and that they have a deep connection with, have wild, wide-eyed abandonment for that person. Mm. You, you can see it sometimes in like public performances when a woman or a man is on the stage and their kid is in the audience and they yell, you know, hi, daddy, or hi, mommy. It's that wide, wild abandonment of love for that person. Um, I I think that's something we can learn from children, a way that they have access to the kingdom that we adults struggle. Wild, wide-eyed abandonment. Well, there you have it. I always have such good conversations with Lacey. Again, her book is titled Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together. And it's available now for pre-order. When it releases, I'll be sure to let you know how to access the videos she talked about. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for caring. May each of us find new and beautiful ways to engage with God and others this week. See you next time.